Is the third temple in Jerusalem literal or symbolic? Will there be a third temple before Jesus returns? And has God ordained that there should be a place of worship on the Temple Mount where Solomon's temple once stood and where the Muslim Dome of the Rock now dominates the Jerusalem landscape? Don't miss today on The End Time Show. Welcome to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're so happy you've joined us today. Uh, we're very excited to talk about today's subject because we get emails and calls all the time wanting to know, is the temple going to be literal or is it symbolic or is it that the temple is in all of us now? So we're going to hash that out and tell you what the Bible has to say and explain it through a lens of Bible prophecy. Before we do that, Doug, you and I love a good cup of coffee. Is that right? Absolutely. I'm sipping on some uh, first cup right now. Um, But we're sick of supporting woke companies. Um, We don't like to go to Starbucks and all these other places because of what they're doing um, behind the scenes and actually very publicly some days. So if we could find coffee that doesn't try to rewrite our history and lobby to defund our military, that would be awesome. Well, First Cup Coffee is that company. It's a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of the great state of Texas. They've got 11 different roasts, each one named after a specific piece of American history. Um, they don't sell burnt coffee like Starbucks. They're shipped within days of being roasted from right here in Texas. So you can ditch the grocery store coffee that's been sitting on the shelves for up to two years. Go to firstcup.com and use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you another 10% off. Go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. All right, Doug, we have our First Cup cups. Yes. And we're sipping on some very good coffee. It's very good. It's going to be a great show, especially because we get to talk about Jerusalem and Israel. And, of course, we love to talk about um, that nation. Mm-hmm. The tour group from End Time is there in Israel now, so yeah. it's going to be a great day, and right. hopefully we can provide some clarity. I don't know that we're going to convert the people who are dead set <laughs> against this idea. Right. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, Vince, this is, uh, to me, it's the center of the world as far as prophecy goes, because we know that when Jesus comes back, his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives, and he'll be looking down on that Temple Mount. and. Uh, it's just going to be where everything kind of culminates there at the end of time. And so it's a very important piece of property there. That's a that's a piece of real estate there that is the most disputed piece of real estate in the entire world. And, yeah, our, our group's going to be going there. Uh, they'll be talking about that temple. Dave will actually stand in a spot that they believe is where the holiest of holies was. It's called the Dome of the Spirits. And he'll actually stand there and teach from that spot in a few days when they go to the Temple Mount. So it's a very important piece of Bible prophecy as well because the Bible tells us a lot about the Temple Mount and what's going to happen there. And um, as the Israeli people try to make attempts to hang on to that and to continue to let people know, hey, we need a temple on that Temple Mount. You know, they've got the red heifers now that they're believing are going to continue to stay uh, kosher where they'll be able to have a sacrifice early part of next year. Once that happens, there's no reason why they can't begin to prepare for that except for the obstacle of peace and having a sharing arrangement there on the Temple Mount. So 
these things are very real and they could happen and they're in our news every day almost. You said they're trying to hold on to that. Now, as I understand it, they don't have control of the Temple Mount right now, right? Is that correct? Well, actually, Israel has um, surrendered that over to the Muslim Waf, and, and they kind of control what happens on the Temple Mount. The they don't have weapons and things like that, but they have authority there. Uh, the, the military has the weapons. So okay. the the Israeli military kind of controls it with weapons. So when we're there and there's people walking around with machine guns, that's the yeah. Israeli military. Yeah, so the guys in green are the military, the guys in blue are the Israeli police. But the ones that are telling you you can't pray and you've got to wear certain things and you know t trying to tell you to stay quiet, that's the Muslim law. They kind of have the authority there, but the police and the military back them up as far as what happens up there and tries to keep the peace. So there's no Muslim soldiers or police or no, no Muslims walking around with, with ammunition or mm -mm. any type of weaponry? No, and, and you're totally safe. Every time they go to the Temple Mount, you're totally safe there. Uh, when, when we go and we do the tours, now there have been some clashes there between uh, some Muslim uh, rebels, I would say, that fought with the police, remember, uh, a year ago in the Alaska mosque, they kind of held themselves up in there and were firing fireworks at the police from the mosque. And police, you know, fired back and, and arrested some people. And there was a big, uh, you know, almost, it, it almost escalated into a, a big battle right there. But they got everything calmed down, got those people out. And the truth got out about what was going on. The Muslim media was reporting that the Jewish people were attacking the mosque. And that's not what was happening at all. So... Like I said, it's a very disputed piece of property. Absolutely. So why isn't there a temple on the Temple Mount right now? So we know that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed it um, under the general Titus. And so since then, there has not been a Jewish temple there. But the Muslims came in and were able to put the mosque there and then eventually built the Dome of the Rock over what they say is the one piece of rock that actually shows of Mount Moriah. And some people believe that that's where the holiest of holies is. Some Jewish people believe that it's actually in the Dome of the Rock and the Dome of the Rock shouldn't be standing there. But based on the things that we see with the peace agreement and the talks that they've talked about, they have now said that they could build that temple to uh, the north of the Dome of the Rock in a space there, uh, you know, that's a, a really big area where they could put a temple. Now, some people believe that what you just referenced there when Titus and the Roman army came in and destroyed, some people believe that was the abomination of desolation. Right. And that I guess that we're in the millennial reign. Is that kind of tied to that belief? Yeah, that's, that's a preterist view. And they believe that these prophecies have already been fulfilled. But there's scripture we're going to talk about today that shows us that that's not going to happen until the time of the Great Tribulation. And so we'll look at those scriptures as we go down through our program today and talk about it. And we actually have a, a lesson on End Time Plus. You can go there, watch.endtime.com, and look up the word preterism. And it's a two-part series that Irvin did many years ago where he goes through what that belief is and breaks it down and tells you actually what the Bible has to say about that and why it isn't an accurate viewpoint. Um, so let us know what you think in the comments. Has that already happened, the abomination of desolation? Did it happen back in 70 AD or has it, is it yet to come? What do you think? Tell us in the, uh, in the comments. Yes or no, did it already happen? We'd love to hear from you. Now, Doug, in order for the Jews to worship on the Temple Mount, what's left to do? Obviously, they've got to build the temple, but aside from that, yeah, so they believe that they have to have the ashes of that red heifer, Vince, 
that once they sacrifice this red heifer, they'll be able to have enough ashes to cleanse the, the people of Israel and also to cleanse the Temple Mount area where they'll do this rebuilding of the Temple Mount. That's why the, the revealing of having this red heifer was such a big deal because now it appears as they have the pieces in place that they need. We already know that they have the utensils in place because we go to the Temple Institute every year and we see those utensils they've made. The giant menorah that will be at the temple is in the middle of Old Jerusalem, the old city. And so when you take your tour through Old Jerusalem, you actually see it. It's, it's uh, encased in a big glass dome. And they say that thing weighs about 700 pounds. Mm. And so it's already done. Everything's pre-made. All we're waiting for is for an agreement that would allow them to build that red heifer to be sacrificed in the ashes to come. And then boom, they could start building the temple. Do you know what they do with the red house? Do they just sacrifice it and burn it up and use those ashes? Or is it actually put there, to good use uh, aside from that? Well, there'll be a ritual. The ritual is actually found in the book of Numbers where you can go through and can kind of see what God required of that. And they'll follow the book of Numbers exactly to the T of how they do those things. Uh, the important part of it, though, in the ashes and why it's important is they believe that they, they mix that up and then they're able to, to like cleanse the people and give them a purification that God needed in the Old Testament. Now, you talked a little bit earlier about you know, if this is, if our bodies are the temple, yes, as Christians, our bodies are the temple of, of the Lord and the Holy Spirit dwells in his temple in us. But the Jewish people, they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And so to them, they need a physical temple. And so that's kind of what they're trying to, to press. And, and like the story that came out on Sunday is another attempt. They do this over and over, trying to get as close as they can to the temple and sacrifice a lamb or a goat, or a bull, or something that they can sacrifice. Well, a man was arrested on Sunday morning, as recent as this past Sunday, what the Jews call the first day of the week. And uh, he was arrested for doing this up toward the, uh, the Temple Mount. So think about that, because when we went years ago, we had a guy that just bent down and kissed the ground of the Temple Mount, and we almost got him taken to jail. So, you know, I mean, they came running up and, and we're screaming and hollering at him to get up and not do that. So think about if a Jewish person tries to get a, a lamb or a goat up there to sacrifice, what chaos that would cause. And that's what this person's done. But the thing is, is they want to make sure that the world knows, and they don't mind getting arrested when they do this. They want to make sure the world knows that this is important to us and we have gotten to start these sacrifices. Now, Doug, you said they're going to follow it to the T, and we're talking about red heifers. Mm -hmm. And as red-blooded Americans, you and I can't help but think about a T-bone. That's your favorite <laughs> cut of meat, I believe. Is that correct? That is right, yeah. And it makes me also think about our friends over at Backyard Butcher. So, you know, there's a lot of mystery meat in the meat aisles of your grocery store. Backyard Butcher doesn't do that. So they will mix it uh, in the grocery stores. They'll mix it with other meats and of different origins and all sorts of things. You can never know where that meat is actually coming from. And here in America, they can put product of the USA sticker uh, on any package. And it people believe that it was raised in America, but that's actually not true. So at BackyardButchers.com, they're delivering American-raised and harvested meat from right here in our American backyards to dinner tables across our nation. None of them are red heifers. I don't don't think, but nonetheless, that's what they're doing. Backyard butchers, they're only sourcing beef and chicken from American farms, and they deliver the cuts right to your doorstep every month. 
grass-fed and grain-finished tastes incredible. So cut out that frustration from the meat aisle. Go to BackyardButchers.com and save an extra 20% off when you use the word, the code, end time. So go to BackyardButchers.com slash end time with over a half a million happy customers across America and an American-based customer service team of stay-at-home moms like my wife. They'll make sure your orders are delivered right in time every single month. Go to BackyardButchers.com slash end time and buy American meat today. All right, Doug. So the red heifer, I don't think they're making T-bones out of that. Is that true or do you know? I don't think that they will. So they Uh, just burn it all up and use that as a sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that it talks about is the the fat of that animal, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being what is is offered up to God and and the sweetness and the flavor of that. So uh, you talking about those T-bones is making me real hungry, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's one of those things we got. Dinner know. time is coming. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, yeah, backyard butchers. So as soon as they have the red heifers, do they have to sacrifice the red heifer on the temple mount? Or they can, can they sacrifice it off site somewhere? It is probably going to have to be uh, sacrificed off site. Where they're looking at right now, where they have this animal stored is in Shiloh, biblical Shiloh. And that is the place where they believe the tabernacle uh, dwelt for so long when when David had the tabernacle before Solomon actually built the temple and where the Ark of the Covenant would have been stored in the tabernacle. Uh, So they they believe that is a holy enough site where they can do this sacrifice and then take the ashes where they need to take the ashes. They've got to actually have the ashes to go up on the Temple Mount in order to start the preparation of the building. So I would assume that that's probably why the the bull is out there or the the, uh, red heifer is out there is because that's where they're going to do everything. They have four red heifers that qualify mm. today. Yeah. I believe, if I have it all straight, here in early 2024, those four will be fully qualified mm-hmm. as long as they don't develop any um, imperfections between now and then. So right. we're like, we're three months away from 2024, Doug. Yeah. We could be three months away from them sacrificing one of these red heifers yeah. and allowing them to. Um, follow the instructions and numbers and purify that temple mount. Mm -hmm. And they've actually looked at Passover as being the time when they do that. So it could be kind of a twofold type of thing Mm, because of Passover happening. So um, that's something that they're kind of looking at to see. So we are moving very quickly into, uh, you know, the, the things that could show us we are getting into that final seven years. So we're moving very quickly in prophecy and and the prophecies about Jerusalem especially. Um, But, you know, I mean, one of the things about them wanting to do this kind of stuff on the Temple Mount is to show those Jewish, I mean, the Arab people and the world how important that is and that they must have this. So you think this isn't going to be in the talks that they're having right now with Saudi Arabia and the other Arab Brotherhood that they're talking with. that's going to be very much a, a case. And we know that uh, the original agreement, Trump's agreement, uh, that was called Peace for Prosperity, it called for all nations to be able, or all religions to be able to worship respectfully to other religions on that Temple Mount. So it opened the door for this to even be talked about. Doug, we, we are in exciting times. This, is, this could be right around the corner here. We're closer, mm-hmm. I think we're closer than we've ever been in my lifetime, maybe in both of our lifetimes. Yeah. I don't think we've had four red heifers, not to mention what the 18 or 20 that are still here in Texas. By the way, yeah. these red heifers are from Texas. From Texas. Yeah. Um, so um, we've never been this close. Yeah. I mean, we, this time next year, we could 
be having a, right in the back here, we've got a, a mock-up of the temple yeah. on the Temple Mount. This could be a reality this time next year. Yeah. So I I guess that's why they find it so important that this this Israeli man attempts to go to the Temple Mount and sacrifice. They they see how close it is. They've been praying for this for thousands of years. Absolutely. And so here we are. So is that why that guy would be willing to go do that? Yeah, because he wants everybody to know that he's willing to go to jail over what he believes needs to happen. That's powerful. And like I said, this is a very important place. we actually, I don't know where we headed here. We need to, we've got a video that I want to show. Do we have time? Let's, I don't know that we have we time have. right now, but okay. but we can get to it pretty quickly. All right. Um, I'm taking a drink of my coffee. You're taking a drink of, of your first cup of coffee. <laughs> um, so w- when they build the temple, do we know what all, I guess, what all it will look like? Do we have that layout in the Bible somewhere? Um, yeah, the Bible explicitly kind of shows how the temple is set up, and it's it's amazing at how it's set up because it actually shows a, the plan of salvation, you know, the, with the way that the temple is laid out. Well, it's still going to be laid out in the same way, um, you know, but like I said, most of the utensils that they'll be using in there, and we're talking about pure gold. We're talking about, like I said, that menorah is about like 700 pounds of pure gold. I mean, it's huge, and it's it's pure gold. It took a, like almost a crane to move it to where they've got it. And, and you and I have seen that. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And and the original temple was laden with gold. If you remember hearing in history that when the Romans uh, destroyed the temple, they burned it also as they knocked the stones down. And the soldiers were coming back and getting the melted gold that had melted and went into the creases of the rock. They would come back with their mm-hmm. swords and get that gold out. And they, they kind of scavenged all the gold from the temple, all the utensils that were in there that melted. Now, Titus took the original menorah back to Rome as a trophy. And if you go to Rome, you see the Titus arch. It's got a portrayal of him carrying it in triumphantly into the city. And he's carrying the big menorah with him as he's coming through the city. And so some of those artifacts went to Rome, but some of those left in the pockets of Roman soldiers where the gold melted into the stone. So they utterly destroyed it. And so prophecy was fulfilled there because Jesus said there won't be one stone left on Mm -hmm. another. And so that was fulfilled in that prophecy when that happened. Where does world government line up with this? Do they want to see a third temple or are they adamantly opposed? World government wants to see a peace treaty right now. They they want to see that. And that's one of the things, you know, we know the Antichrist will be a mover and shaker into that. We know that the Antichrist will be part of that. And um, in Daniel 9.27, it tells us that he will make the covenant with many uh, for one seven. And in the middle of that final seven years, he'll stop the animal sacrifices. So it lets us know there will be a temple built there and the world government will be in favor of this. But one day the Antichrist will stand up and say, no more animal sacrifices, and he'll uh, declare he's the one that needs to be worshipped there and not God. I have a feeling that they will be intricately involved and you know, try to control everything no matter what the perspective is because we know world government, that's what they want to do. They want their hands on everything and they yeah. want to control things. And in right. fact, last month at the G20, uh, they announced a plan to impose a digital currency and digital IDs on their respective populations throughout our world. So we've talked about central bank digital currencies here. It's essentially allowing the government to track every purchase you make. And you better believe they're going to be involved in what's happening on the Temple Mountain throughout Israel in these end times, one way or another. 
for these CBDCs, they could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part of all your money. We've seen that in Canada recently. So they're enabling the government to take more control over your finances, over my finances, and concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold uh, with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax shuttle retirement account, text Birch Gold. You can learn about it for yourself. Text end time to 989-898 and they'll send you a free info kit on gold. If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer just gathering dust, they can help you convert it into an IRA in gold and you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. So text end time, E-N-D-T-I-M-E to 989-898 and claim your free info kit on gold today because if digital currency becomes a reality for all you'll wish you had some gold to fall back on more than likely text in time to 989-898 all right doug so rebuilding the third temple that's going to happen there'll be a lot of gold involved in that i would mm -hmm. imagine absolutely we've got a video we want to go to now where we can show everyone kind of where we're at on that so yeah. we're ready to check it out let's do it all right rebuilding the third temple It's a key element of biblical prophecy involving the return of Jesus Christ to the earth, building a third temple in Jerusalem. Now there's a movement in Israel to make it happen, and it was made possible when Israel captured the Temple Mount during the Six-Day War in 1967. On June 7, 1967, Israeli Brigade Commander Motegor made an announcement that Jews had waited to hear for some 2,000 years. Retaking this ground was important for a number of reasons. For one, it's where King Solomon built the first Jewish temple. After the Babylonians destroyed it, Zerubbabel laid the foundation stone for a second temple that was later expanded by King Herod. It fell at the hands of the Romans in 70 AD. When Commander Gore declared that the Temple Mount was back in Jewish hands, it rekindled hope for a long-awaited third temple. The Six-Day War was a miracle of biblical proportions, and um, was a, um, a cataclysmic opening of a, of a new era for, for Israel and for the whole world. Rabbi Haim Richman of the Temple Institute is dedicated to rebuilding the Jewish temple. He sees the time since the Six-Day War as a prophetic shift. It would be hard, I think, not to see what's happened in the past 50 years as a tremendous uh, jumpstart, a tremendous fast-forward. It's, it's, um, it's more than prophetic. It's like a kiss from heaven, you know? It's like a divine kiss. It's an, it's an intimate brush with the reality of God's compassion and love, uh, and He keeps His promises. The Institute shares a key connection to the battle for Jerusalem. Its founder, Rabbi Yisrael Ariel served with the 55th Paratrooper Brigade that captured the Temple Mount. After the victory, a Jordanian guide gave them a remarkable tour. The story, though, that he told us is that the soldiers were on the Temple Mount, and it was just like the first hour or so. And uh, they were approached by a, a Jordanian fellow in Western dress who explained that he was the official tour guide for the Jordanian parliament, and he offered to take the soldiers and show them the sites on the Temple Mount. And uh, he takes the soldiers, you know, the, the rabbi there, and he says, uh, 
uh, well, this is exactly where um, the sanctuary stood. This is where the, the altar stood. And then this is where the menorah stood. He tells him all these things about the history of the Holy Temple. Finally, the rabbi asked him, why are you telling us all this? And he said, well, we have tradition from our fathers, they from their fathers, that one day the Jews would wage a war and conquer this mountain and rebuild the Holy Temple. And I assume that you're starting tomorrow. And I want this to be my part, my part in helping you. What was their reaction to that story? Well, gosh, I guess <laughs> yes, they were pretty surprised. But the bottom line is, in hindsight, it doesn't look like we were ready. Fifty years later, that's changed with the Temple Institute preparing blueprints and gathering official temple elements, such as the priestly garments. Richmond is also dispelling myths about the temple on today's digital loudspeaker, YouTube. Let's start at the beginning. What was the Holy Temple really all about? All of this means talk of rebuilding the temple is no longer considered a fringe idea. Today, there is a lobby in the Knesset of, of how many members of Knesset that are constantly speaking about Jewish rights to pray on the Temple Mount. There are members of Knesset that actually talk about the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. Do you understand that 20 years ago, these people wouldn't have been given a moment on prime time television in Israel to say these things. They would have been laughed out. So, a few years ago, this was considered fringe? Zealots, lunatics, peculiar. Today, it's mainstream. One of those members is Yehuda Glick. Ten years ago, there was not a single member of Knesset who ascended the Temple Mount. Today, we have 20 of the Knesset members who are interested in ascending Temple Mount, praying on the Temple Mount, and are part in the battle for the redemption of the Temple Mount and for bringing the Temple Mount back into the center of the next, next step in the redemption process. Richmond sees the temple through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah, who wrote 3,000 years ago that God's house would be a house of prayer for all nations. It means basically that there's a God in the world and that the best is yet to come, and that we are so connected to him and to each other and to that purpose and to all humanity. And it's just a wonderful privilege to be here with you today, to be looking out over Jerusalem and to realize that we're living in probably the most important time in history. If you believe in the God of Israel and you see his hand on his people and you understand the tremendous uh, changes that have gone on over the years, you see that the one who brought us this far isn't finished and will keep his promises. So Vince, we have scripture in Revelation 11 that tells us that there's going to be a temple built in the end times. Revelation 11 is talking about the things that must be here after, the things that John has shown that will happen after. And so uh, it tells us that he was told to measure the temple, the altar, and them that worship in. So it's going to be a fully functioning uh, temple. And then it says, but leave out the court, which is outside the, the court of the um of the Temple Mount, it will be given to the Gentiles and it will be treaded underfoot for 40 and two months. So it lets us know that it's going to be a sharing arrangement, that the outer court is going to be given to the Gentiles. That's where the Dome of the Rock is. And the Jewish people understand this. In that clip, you saw a little bit of that area that we talked about uh, that's north of the Dome of the Rock where they believe the Temple will be. Doug, and in 2009, I asked Rabbi Yehuda Glick, the guy we just watched, if they would build it without those out of courts. And he said, 
absolutely. <laughs> said we would want to build everything, but knowing the Jewish people, we would start with whatever we could get. So interesting times. We'll talk about more on the other side of the break, whether or not this is necessary according to the Bible. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 Endtime. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're so happy you've joined us today. I do want to make mention that Doug and Tina Norvell will be in Halifax, Pennsylvania tomorrow. Doug, are you pumped about this conference? I am very pumped, Vince. Uh, this will be really my first full-fledged conference for End Time. So Full-fledged? Yeah, I've so done it before. people who've done conferences before, they feel a little outed. Well, you know, I've, I've done like one night of a conference or like a preview of a conference. Uh, the first time this happened was when Dave had COVID, you know, back when... Uh, I remember that very well, Doug. Yeah, it was shortly after Pastor Baxter passed away from COVID, and then David w was supposed to do... Uh, the conference here at our local church in Garland, he got COVID and couldn't do it. So I was just kind of like thrown out there in front of everybody like uh, Daniel and the Lions did, I guess. But it, it went well enough to where it boosted my confidence. Anyway, God helped me get through that. And and then I've done a couple of other like previews to it, you know, but this is going to be the, the full thing where I'm doing a Friday, a Saturday and a Sunday. So, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. You're going to be busy. Mm-hmm and wore out when it's all said and done, but I know how much you love connecting with people yeah. and connecting with end-time partners. So absolutely, uh, Halifax, Pennsylvania is going to be a great time. Tomorrow night it starts at 7 p.m. Doug will be teaching through Understanding the End Time, an a overview of the 14 episodes. It's a wonderful lesson. Then on the Saturday it'll be 11 a.m. Sunday will be 11 a.m. Doug's actually preaching on the Sunday morning session a message that God has put on his heart. It's not a... Um, well, he, you know, he's put the prophecy messages on your heart as well, but yeah. this is not going to be prophecy on right. Sunday morning. You're going to be preaching from... Uh, an encouraging word, I believe. God gave me an encouragement about our worship and about being led by the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to be bringing some encouraging. And, and after we do the prophecy two days, I'm going to tell you, hey, this is how we need to be preparing 
for what's coming next. So I believe it'll be encouraging. And and also that will be at the church that day in Harrisburg. So two different locations. Ah. Uh, we're going to be at a campground in Halifax on Friday and Saturday. Then Sunday we will be at the church grounds there in Harrisburg. So all the information's on our um, contact page or our our. Um, what is it called? Our event time.com yes. slash events. Thank you. And also, just one more thing I found out yesterday. They're having a huge fall festival at this campground. Did and they know so, you were coming? Like, you love fall <laughs> I, festivals, they, they, too. They planned it perfectly. Are you taking your overalls? Oh, man, I left them back in East Texas, but, man, I wish I would have had them. But, anyway, follow the signage. There's going to be signs that are going to tell you, you know, this is where you're going to the End Time Prophecy Conference. And the pastor told me yesterday that if you go too far, there's even one that said, whoop, you missed it, turn around. Mm. So, he's got signs that are going to be out there. We're going to direct you exactly where you need to be. Perfect. And if you want to hang around for the Fall Festival afterwards, I guess you can do that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Go to endtime.com slash events for the address and additional details on the conference. Or we're happy to help you over the phone if you call us at 800-END-TIME. Now, Doug, before the break, we watched a video on rebuilding the third temple. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Yehuda Glick and several others were interviewed there. Um, do we need a third temple? You and I are, are, are Christians. Right. Um, they highlighted in there that this is going to be a place for all nations to come pray. Right. And it's kind of like they're tagging on to this world religion yeah. Um, I know that they're not pro-world religion, but it's like they're tagging on to it in order to help get this across the finish line. So yeah. do we need it as Christians? Well, Vince, we know we don't need it. There's scripture that tells us we don't need it. That, uh, you know, Paul tells us, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of Christ? And so uh, we don't need it physically for us. But here's the thing. The Bible says it's going to happen. And this is where people kind of get crossways about mm-hmm. this stuff. There's so much prophecy about it. If it's in the Word of God, it's going to happen. And I had questions uh, that, you know, this week where people were asking me, well, wouldn't that be the Antichrist temple and not God's temple? But the the verbiage that's used in the Bible, even Jesus calls it the holy place. And so I have the scriptures today to kind of break that down and show everybody this isn't something that we just make up. It's over and over in prophecy. Uh, and even in the, the next scripture that I wanted to take people to, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because Paul talks about it and he ties it in with the abomination, in with the return of Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. And so the words that are used there, you can definitely tell this is the end time because it talks about the coming of Jesus and it talks about the rapture or the resurrection. A lot of people say there is no rapture. You're, you're right. That's a word that really isn't in the Bible. But the resurrection is a word that's very much in the Bible, and it's the same thing that we refer to when we say rapture. So would you like to read Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, Vince? Yeah, so um, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand, and that See, means the rapture can happen any moment, right? Well, that's the thing. The day of Christ, that's something that everybody needs to look into and, and, uh, and study that out for yourself. We've done lessons that are just about the day of Christ where we show what that's talking about. The day of the Lord and the day of Christ are the same day. 
and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Paul says that the second coming of Jesus Christ is when he comes and we're gathered to him. That happens at the second coming. So it gives you a preview of when the rapture is going to happen. But then we go down and we find out a little bit more because obviously in Paul's time, people were teaching that that was very uh, intimate, that that could happen at any moment. But Paul says other things have to happen. Well, a lot of people do say that Paul proclaims that the rapture is imminent, that his yeah. second coming is imminent. And so that's where a lot of people, I mean, I hear that all the time too, mm -hmm. that like even Paul believed it and we're going, well, keep Not reading. This is another one of those cases where <laughs> right. people stop reading, right? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like um, you won't know the day or the hour. Yeah. You know, it's like, or it comes in a thief in the night. It's like, yeah. Keep reading. So keep let's, reading. let's keep reading. Uh, verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. Okay, so now he's saying the day of Christ is at hand. Then he follows that with no man, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ mm -hmm. is what he's talking about. Right. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And some people believe that's Titus, right? Some people believe that, but... We'll Titus see. from Roman, Titus. Right. Um, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Paul tells us right there that the second coming of Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him in the clouds will not happen until there's a falling away and the man of sin is revealed. The man of sin being the Antichrist, and look at what he what he does. He sits in the temple of God. So that's letting us know there's going to be a temple of God. Because to this point, Jesus hasn't come back and raptured us out. We're still here. We're not living in the millennial reign. To this point, the scripture, or to this point to today? To this point with us today, yep. as we're reading this scripture, this has not happened. So we know there's going to be a future temple. This man of sin will be revealed in that temple. And this ties in directly with 927, with Daniel 927. So, <clears throat> as you move down through there, when you get down to Daniel 11, Daniel also describes the same event Paul's talking about, and this is how we can determine what is the abomination of desolation. So, Daniel 11:31, if you'll read that. All right, it says, And an arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. So... That means they'll be sacrifices if they're taking away daily sacrifices. Exactly. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So that's what we call the abomination of desolation. Yeah, and then he goes on to explain it exactly the way Paul did at the revealing of the Antichrist in verse 36 of Daniel 11. All right, so a few verses later, 36, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that is determined shall be done. Yeah, so that's the abomination of desolation. When he speaks these marvelous things against God and he declares himself to be God, like Paul was talking about. Now, there are other scriptures that tell us this, and it talks about him speaking these marvelous things or him making these uh, these accusations toward God and things like that. It continues to tell us that about the little horn and the beast. And so that's how we know those scriptures are pertaining to the Antichrist and not to Titus or somebody else because all this wrap, wraps up at the end at Jesus coming and are being gathered to him. So this is how we know because other scriptures call that man of sin 
the little horn. That's found in Daniel 7 and 8. All right, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So this little horn is also that man of sin or the Antichrist. And in Daniel 7.25, it tells us a little bit more about him speaking these great things and making boast. So again, skipping ahead a few verses, you can go read the whole thing for yourself. We're not covering all of it for the sake of time. Uh, Verse 25 of chapter 7 in Daniel, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. So this little horn makes these boastful uh, words toward God. He speaks great things against the Most High, it says. And then it gives us other information that he makes war against the saints. He'll wear out the saints. And it tells us when this happens. The timing is a time, times, and the dividing of time. We know that as the Great Tribulation. And that's just one uh way of of telling us this happens and it's a, a way to measure time there but to make sure that we understand john gives us another depiction of this in revelation 13 and he uses a different measurement of time speaking of the same event i'm glad we're covering that because if you just read time times and a dividing of times yeah i mean that means nothing to, to someone to who us. doesn't yeah. think that way like I don't think they're teaching that in schools. I don't think <laughs> right. it's not happening anywhere in 2023. Yeah. No one's communicating about time like that. So right. we've kind of got to piece these things together and, and figure out what's actually being talked about. So I'm glad we're going yes. there. Revelation 13, starting in verse 4, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So up to this point, it sounds similar to what we just read from Daniel, but instead of saying times, time, and a dividing time, they say forty and two months. months. Yeah, and forty-two months is three and a half years. Sure is. So it's the same time as what Daniel's describing. Remember, time means one year. Times, with the S on it, is two years. So there's three years. And the dividing of time is half a year. So there's three and a half years Daniel speaks of, and then three and a half years John speaks of. And he says also over again, so we know this is talking about the same individual, he's got a mouth that blasphemes God. And it tells us that not only that, he blasphemes God and what? His tabernacle in the temple. He stands in the temple He declares that he's God, and he is blaspheming the name of God. He's blaspheming his temple. Mm. So all that is right there. He even blasphemes those who dwell in heaven. So he goes and and he declares himself to be God. The the rest of that scripture in verse 7, it also tells us that he makes war against the saints and overcomes them, talking about the same person. So we know that that temple will exist because of these scriptures that we can throw in there. Now, Doug, what do you say to people who say, well, the, they're on a different calendar than we are today? It, it doesn't really matter, Vince, because there's other scriptures that tells us this will be 1,260 days. When you look in Revelation 11, uh, starting in verse 3, when it talks about the two witnesses, it talks about that same time period, the Great Tribulation, and it says 1,260 days. doesn't ma- matter how you measure a year, the days are the same. Another interesting point, Doug, is 
you know, Revelation, everyone believes that it was written after 70 AD, mm-hmm. and they're still talking about it as if this thing hasn't happened yet. Right. That's an interesting point to consider. Yeah. All right, we're up against a break. We'll be right back to talk more about whether the third temple is physical or spiritual. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. back to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're happy you've joined us today. We're talking about the third temple, whether it's going to be physical or spiritual. Before we get into that, we want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Is the third temple going to be physical or spiritual? Put it in the comments, physical or spiritual. We want to kind of see where everyone's at on their thinking in that. So please comment and let us know. Don't forget to share this video, comment, and give us the, the love button instead of just a thumbs up. But uh, the heart goes a long way in breaking through the algorithms, getting to your friends and family. There's a lot of beliefs out there about the third temple, whether or not it'll be physical or spiritual or whether it's necessary or not. And so we think this perspective will help a lot of people out. So share, comment, and love the video. Now, on that commercial that you just saw with Judy Baxter saying end time is not going anywhere, uh, she's a little uneasy about that clip in particular. Our creative director told her, now, we don't need Judy Baxter for this. We need Sassy Baxter. So <laughs> she's a little out of her element, but actually she just is only out because it's on camera, Doug. Right. I've been around her my whole life, and I know that that wasn't near as much sass as what I've seen. So yeah. end time is not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not because we're special or because we've done anything to 
advance us at all. We are not going anywhere because what we're doing here is God-ordained. We have heard from the Lord. We are pursuing our God-given purpose. Of course, it started with Irvin and Judy Baxter many decades ago, and we've continued on throughout the years. All of us here are on mission. We are crusaders trying to get this message out. Not only are we wanting to uh, let Christians and non-believers around the world know what's coming according to Bible prophecy, but we're also trying to warn the Jews of what is coming. And so we are on purpose. We've heard from the Lord. And that's why we're not going anywhere, because this thing is built around being led by His Spirit. Um, and you, you know what, Doug? If the Lord told us to shut it down today, that yeah. would be a challenge. But we would do it because we want to follow the guidance of the Lord. And right. that's why in time's not going anywhere. We are seeking his will, trying to be part of his kingdom. And we'll do whatever it takes between now and his second coming uh, to fulfill that God-given purpose. And Doug, it's Amen. a pleasure to walk along, alongside you while we serve in the kingdom. So, Absolutely. You, know, you started I, as a radio listener. And here yeah, we are. I know. It's something. It's you know Every time I think about that, I'm in awe of what God's done because... I mean, you guys were in Indiana when I started listening to the radio program. What year was it? Do you remember? 90, maybe 93? No, we were on radio. It started in 96 or 7. Okay, then that's when it was. I'm trying to think. I was 10 then, Doug. Really? Yeah. So it was, okay, so 96 was when y'all started here in Dallas on the radio. So that's shortly after you guys came on the the air. The very first lesson I heard was the seven trumpets, Mm. and I was hooked. And so... Yeah, to look back at that and to see where we are now and to see where I am in, uh, you know, specifically, I'm like, man, okay, Lord, I never would have thought this is where we would end up. You guys, like I said, we're in Indiana and and came to Texas and look at what God's done. So, and there's no amazing. telling what God's gonna do. Like we are excited because we can see some things forming. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're looking into the promised land and going, man, God, what are you gonna do next? And <laughs> yeah. we see th- kind of. Not necessarily the end, but we see some milestones, and we don't know how we're going to get there. Yeah. But I'm excited to keep following the Lord. And, yeah. man, sometimes it's not a straight shot. Most of the time it's not a straight shot. It's mm-hmm. like you got to kind of wander around for a little bit. And it's not because <laughs> we're, we're complaining or disobeying or whatever. It's just like yeah. God takes us on these journeys. And, and we're, you know, well, sometimes we make mistakes when we're following right. the Spirit. But, you know, it, it's going to be there, fun. There's a reason for all that, too, because sometimes we, we need learning. You know, yeah. I mean, we've, we've got to have some learning in there, too. And until we're ready to go forward, I mean, you know, that's that's why when I did first start here, I, nobody knew who Doug Norvell was because I answered phones and emails. But, you know, it's how I, I was in a learning process of learning how to do this. And, you know, Jesus led Brother Baxter uh, for so many years, and as he was getting ready to take Brother Baxter into heaven with them. He began to prepare other people, and we didn't even realize what was happening. Looking back, it's easy to kind of see, oh, that's what God was doing. He was kind of getting us ready for all this. But, you know, I mean, the bottom line is this is a a Jesus-led ministry. Mm-hmm. We're following the Spirit of the Lord and, and listening to what He's telling us to do. And so, you know, I mean, luckily... Uh, the Lord has given us so much information in the Word of God that we can look at it and we can teach from the Word of God. I mean, some people say, you know, well, how do you know you're right about this and that? Well, Scripture backs up what we talk about. And so it's easy to kind of say, well, this is why. Doug, how in the world can we be Jesus-led and do sponsors on our show? (laughs) Well, you know, Vince, here's the thing. Uh, I believe that, like I said, everything, God puts things in our path for a reason. And we have to pay bills around here. We got to 
light bills, uh, you know, air conditioned bills in Texas. We're, we're paying to be on the air right now yeah. where most people are watching. This is this yeah. costs a lot of money to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and as we do more and more things and, and do more outreach and try to help the people in Israel and things like that, uh, God is making a way for that to happen through yeah. being able to have sponsors that are willing to uh, allow us to sponsor their product and um, you know, anybody that helps us out by going to these places and, and buying from their product, that helps us out too. So even if you can't give to the ministry, I mean, this is great being a ministry that is partner funded and the, and the partners help us. That's why we love our partners so much because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have the funds that we need to yeah. keep the lights on. We're relying on, on Jesus to lead those people to give yes, as well. We are. <laughs> and so when, when the Lord opened these doors for, I mean, Really, the Lord opened the doors for you to, to have these contacts with people. And once that happened, we're just following the Lord and seeing if this is something that is uh, led by God. And we believe it is because it began to just fall into place. And so anyway, the things that we offer free, daily programs, all the things that we have on our website for free, uh, we go do these conferences and we... Uh, get the Bible studies taught at these churches for free. We're, conferences are free. Yeah, the yeah. conferences are free, and we're we're helping people to connect to Jesus, and that's the bottom line. I mean, yes, we do that through prophecy, but we also teach you along the way how to to connect with the Lord and have a relationship with Jesus. So the bottom line is, we we want you to know what's coming, but we also want you to be prepared yeah. spiritually for what's coming. So. Well, Bible prophecy is all about well, in, in Revelation, is specifically, it's like the revealing of Jesus. Exactly. And if we can get people to walk closer with Jesus, mm-hmm. He's going to be revealed more. It's That's really right. magical. Yeah, <laughs> and it really so is. that is our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Doug, one thing that highlights uh, that's a highlight for me is um, we've recently in consulting with some uh, like digital marketing people and SEO people different different people that specialize in in digital communications um, we found that we can create campaigns on Google and Facebook and different places online like that and for as little as a thousand dollars we can target the nation of Israel and get our content in front of every single home in Israel for just a thousand dollars. Yeah. And so we're doing this campaign at warnthejews.com that we're trying to warn the Jews of what's coming in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that like these sponsorships are going to help us do. Right. This money is being put back into our ability to uh-huh. reach the world and to reach the nation of Israel. We're going to use that money to target Israel, to yeah. target, uh, China, Russia, all these other, we are going into the world with these videos and this sponsorship money is what helps us to be able to do that. And of course, partnership in any way that we can do it. We're going to get creative. We don't don't know how the Lord's going to use us to be able to reach the world. (laughs) In fact, I think some people are going to be surprised what all happens before it's all said and done. I think you're right. People are going to be used that people didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Methods are going to be used that people didn't expect. And guess what? There's always been people sitting on church pews that get a little uncomfortable when they walk in and somebody's sitting in their pew right when things aren't exactly how they have always been exactly but i'm just like i thought we were supposed to be spiritually mature yeah and not let these things bug us so much right and so um i don't know matthew 6 33 6 first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added we believe in god gravity things are going to be put in our path that's supposed to be there things are going to be put in our care that we're supposed to manage with excellence and we're going to try that and guess what? If the Lord tells us to turn something off or turn something on, 
we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to do our best to listen so, to the Lord. That's Matthew right. 24. Yeah. That also speaks about the abomination of desolation. Yes, Not it only does. does it talk about warning uh, the, what the Jews need to be warned about. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's right in line with it. So right. what do we need to cover there in relation to the third temple being spiritual or physical? Well, so when Jesus himself talks about this, he, he gives us very key advice here or, or information. When he says that you're, when you see this abomination of desolation, and he, and he ties it into what Daniel talked about, so we know that it's talking about those scriptures we read in Daniel earlier. He says, stand in the holy place. So even Jesus calls the temple mount or the temple area the holy place. So it it is a holy place still to the Lord at that point. Then he said, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now remember, the Jewish people today don't read the New Testament events. Right. They, they don't believe Jesus to be the Messiah. They It hasn't been revealed to them yet. The, the Bible tells us that, um, you know, that they're, they have veils over their eyes that they don't see it clearly right now, but they will at some point. And so it, it says that to let this reader, let the readers understand, and then let those who be in Judea flee into the mountains. Then, and I'm going to skip some of that because it tells us about, you know, the woes and, and not to go back for your clothes and things like that. But in verse 21, he gives us detail. For then there shall be great tribulation. Mm-hmm. So he ties in the abomination of desolation into the period of the great tribulation. We've just backed all that up with scripture from Daniel, from Revelation, and even uh, what Paul was talking about, that Jesus will not come back until we see this man of sin. Well, the man of sin being uh, revealed at the abomination desolation causes the great tribulation to happen. So there's a more impact than just the physical temple. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. It's going to change the world. It, it will start that war against not only the Jewish people living in Judea, uh, what will be a Palestinian state eventually when they get this peace treaty signed, but also the saints. Remember, it says he makes war against the saints and prevails. So there's going to be three and a half years of terrible tribulation and war against God's people. Mm. Uh, he's going to hate God's people so much because we're going to know he's not telling the truth and we're going to be revealing that. How much right now do we see the truth being suppressed and they don't want the truth getting out? Uh, when we talk about things uh, that social media doesn't want us to talk about, they block our site and, and say we can't put this out there because it's the truth and the devil doesn't like the truth. So anyway, Jesus talks about the very thing there, Vince, in Matthew 24 that Paul talked about in Thessalonians, it backs that up. And then when he says that the coming of the Lord is that day of the Lord and it won't happen till this man of sin is revealed. Well, when Jesus tells us that that abomination of desolation is what triggers that great tribulation, he tells us in 29 through 30, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the angels come in the air and gather his elect unto him. So the very thing Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians, so will there be a physical temple before Jesus comes back? According to Jesus himself, yes. Yes, there will be. Yes, there So there's will Doug's be. answer. It's yeah. physical. Let us know what you think in the comments and try to change Doug's mind. Let's see how that'll go over. Uh, don't forget you can be part of the Warn the Jews campaign that we talk about right from Matthew 24. Go to warnthejews.com. Uh, there's all sorts of pledge gifts that we'll send out if you give to this campaign. One is uh, the sticker on my computer. You can have one of those for yourself or a tumbler to drink first cup coffee in or, or whatever else. So go to warnthejews.com. 
and review the giving pledges there and uh, be part of what God is doing in Israel and throughout the world. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.